Amen, amen. Who needs Jesus every day? And you, I know I do. I need the Lord. And the good thing about him is that he wants to spend time with his people. He wants to help us. He wants to be there for us. And I'm here to report that he does, and he is with us tonight. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn to a couple, you can stay seated. We're going to kind of just go through some scriptures here tonight and have a little Bible study. But if you would turn to Psalm 23, put your finger there maybe, and then turn to Exodus 17 as well. We're going to be looking at these couple passages of scripture and go through the word tonight and have a Bible study. I'm excited, like I said, for what God has for us tonight as we talk about the Lord's mercy. Amen. We're going to start at Psalm 23, very familiar, maybe the most familiar of all the Psalms. It's Psalm of David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul, and he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Someone say, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Really, I want us to focus on this last verse in this passage. It says that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to read that again. It says that surely, someone say surely, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Amen. Tonight I'm going to talk on this title that the rock, the rock that follows me, the rock that follows me. And then our second portion of scripture is Exodus 17. And before we read that, I want to kind of give some context to that. And we'll get back to Psalm 23 at the end of, of the message tonight. But in Exodus 17, we see the people of Israel, and the people of Israel have been enslaved for hundreds of years in Egypt, and God has sent Moses to deliver his people, and so they have been delivered. They've came out of Egyptian bondage and now have entered into the wilderness, and in Exodus 17, we meet them in Rephidim, and according to Exodus 16, they enter this region about six weeks after uh, God divided the Red Sea and they came out uh, of Egypt and went through the Red Sea on dry ground. So these people, the children of Israel, they have seen some amazing things, haven't they? They've seen God's power when they were in Egypt. They, they saw how he brought them out of bondage, out of slavery into a new land. And, and they've seen some, some just some things that would just completely imprint themselves in your mind for the rest of your life. And in fact, that miracle at the Red Sea, when it was divided and they walked through dry ground, we, if you read your Bible, if you read Scripture, it's re-talked about over and over. This is just an amazing thing outside of just 
uh, what it symbolizes and what it meant, just the honest of what God did, just this amazing uh, wonder that waters were, were lifted and divided and people walked through it, just uh, something that would make a great impression on you. It would make an impression that God can do anything. That nothing's outside of his power or his authority. That there's not anything that he cannot do. And also that God cares about us. I think it would speak to that. That he cares about us so much that he's going to make a way for us to come out of Egypt into a new land. And, and he's going to do some things that we can't do for ourselves to make it to where we can walk into a new land. He's going to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And so you would think they have this understanding. And so we get to about six weeks later. Six weeks, I don't know what six weeks ago was, but six weeks goes by pretty quickly, doesn't it? Um, We can go back in time six weeks and think about it. That's kind of where we're at tonight. And if we think back six weeks of, think of, putting ourselves in their shoes that, you know, we walked through the middle of of the sea, um, and then here we are. And it says that all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed, this is verse 1 of Exodus 17, they journeyed from the wilderness of Sin. Now, this is not not sin. It's not saying that they came out of a wilderness of sin. This is a place, a wilderness of Sin. After their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched and Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take take with thee of the elders of Israel thy rod, whereunto thou smotest the river, and take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Messiah and Meribah, because the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? I'm going to break this passage up into kind of four sections. And the first is, is that uh, first first verse, verse 1, it says that the congregation of Israel, they, they came to this place called Rephidim, and that there was no water there. There was no water for the people to drink. And kind of if you were to summarize this verse, it's that God led his people to a camp with no water, a place with no water. This is not a place that I necessarily want to go, a place with no water. I like to drink water. And in fact, I need water. I've got water here tonight, and I don't want to be somewhere where there is no water, but God led his people there. It's not Moses leading his people. God was commanding these movements, and, and Moses obeyed. 
And so God takes his people to a place with no water. It was an uninhabited place, a place that was not self-sustaining. And so the people, they're, they're there and they see wilderness in every direction. There's no human way out of this situation. They're at a place without the necessary needs to fulfill their life and body. In fact, you could say they needed a miracle. They were not there by accident, though. God led them there. God led them to a place that only he could get them out of. And at one point or another, I think that all of us find ourselves in this place, in a refidim. We find ourselves encamped in a place where there is no water. A place where we cannot fulfill the needs that we have. A place where we depend on God. A place where we must put our life in God's hands and believe and trust that he is going to make a way. And if you are there tonight, I want to encourage you to trust in God. If you're in a place in your life where you see no way out, where you see no answer, you don't see how things are going to work out, I encourage you just to put your trust in Jesus Christ because God can do things for us that we cannot do for ourselves. God can make ways that do not seem like they should be made. God can open up a river and cause his people to walk on dry ground. And God sometimes leads us places where we can learn how to trust him. He leads us to places that cause us to lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him. Sometimes he leads us in places that cause us to allow his word to be a lamp into our feet, a light into our path, not a spotlight that shows 50 yards in the distance, but places where that lamp is just showing us one step. And then it shows us how to take the next step, a lamp into our feet, leading us on a path that requires us to put our trust all in him. And that's where he led his people here in Exodus 17. So that's part one, that God led his people to a camp with no water. And then in verses two and three, this is kind of the second part of the story. It says the people did chide or they contended. Uh, King James, New King James says, the Amplified says they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt God? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? Did you bring us here to die? And this is part two. God's people didn't trust him. 
God brings them, part one, God brings them to a place with no water. Part two, God's people don't trust him in that place with no water. They contended with Moses because they were in a waterless wilderness. They begin to question. And by questioning Moses, they're in essence questioning God. They're contending with Moses. And by that, they're contending with God. They're quarreling. They're upset with God. Has anybody ever been upset with God? I know I have before. Wondered, God, why am I here? Did you bring me here to die? Did you bring me here to perish? Don't you care for me? Don't you see me? God, don't you see where I'm at? I thought you loved me. I thought you did good things for your people. I thought that you could make a way. God, why am I in this place? And that's where they were. And we may not understand why God brings us into waterless camps. But it's in waterless camps that we do begin to learn to trust in Him. And when we want to question, which is very natural, every day, you know it, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, what do they all end in? Why? Every day there's a question, why? Every day there's a question. So it's natural to question. But I would say it's God's desire that even when we question, we still put our trust in him and say, God, I don't understand the why, but I understand that you are in control. I understand and I believe that you are God and you will make a way. But the people here in our story, they don't do that. They murmur, they contend, they quarrel, they're upset, they're ticked off, you could say. They don't know why God has led them to a waterless camp to die. In Exodus 17, 4 through 6, it's kind of our third, third portion of the scripture. It says that Moses cried unto the Lord and saying, what shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river. Take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it. The people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And this third part of the story, I want to call it God's mercy. Part one is God led them to a waterless camp. Part two is that the people don't trust him in the waterless camp. And part three is a curious thing in the midst of what's going on. God is merciful to his people. Moses says, what should I do unto this people? They're about to kill me. They're about to stone me. And God's answer is this. I will give them water to drink. How does God do that? Well, he gives Moses instruction here. That's four parts. And part one is, he says, is that one, you're going to do it in public. Verse five, he says, go on before the people. He says, go before the people so they see. And the second part, he says, I want you to also take with thee of the elders of Israel. In other words, take note. 
So go do do what I'm telling you to do. Do it in public, and I want you to take note. Take some elders of Israel with you. This is this will become part of their history. What I'm about to do. Also, he says it will be a continuation of the Egyptian miracles. In verse five, he says, "Take thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river. Take in thine hand and go." Moses. He struck the Nile one time with his staff. Exodus 7 and 20. This is back, back a long time ago he, in Egypt. He says, he, it says that he lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. So it was with this staff that God turned water into blood. And it was with this same Rod and with this staff that he was going to turn rock into water. In other words, the same grace I showed you in Egypt, I'm going to show you now. The same power I showed you in Egypt, I'm going to show you again. The same God that I was back then, I still am today in the wilderness. I did it for you then, and I'm going to do it for you now. In the fourth way, that God was going to perform this miracle. He said, the miracle is going to come. This is the best part. The miracle is going to come from my presence. Verse 6, he said, Behold, I will stand before thee upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. God could have said, I'm done with these people. These people that I just delivered out of Egypt... I just, just in the previous chapter, I gave him manna from heaven, and now I'm giving, now they're just, they're just upset again. They're questioning again. They think they're going to die again. I mean, these people are in a wilderness. It's, we read it now, but, you know, put us in their position. Probably some of us, maybe me, I know, would be doing a little bit of the same questioning and thinking. Because I know times that I've questioned God in my life. But from God's perspective, the one who knows the end from the beginning, he could have been done with these people. He could have let them die of thirst, but he didn't. He said, when you strike the rock, Moses, I will be standing on that rock. What the people needed more than water was they needed him. More than they need water, needed water, they needed Jesus. Dustin talked Sunday about the prodigal son, and more than what the prodigal, the prodigal son, more than he needed the father's wealth, is he needed the father. More than he needed the inheritance, he needed his father in his life. And because when he exited his home, the inheritance ran out, the blessing ran out, and more than we need. The blessings of God, we need God in our life. And, and the people needed him. The psalmist said in Psalm 63 and 3, Thy loving kindness, it's better than life. His loving kindness, his goodness, it's better than the things of this world, better than the blessings of this world. He is more valuable than anything else that we could ever have. And when you're in the wilderness, it's not water that you need, it's God. 
when you're in the wilderness, it's not just the blessing. The blessing comes with God, but we don't want the blessing outside of the blessor. And the blesser is God, and so you need God. And so whenever you're going through, whatever answer you're looking for, don't just seek after the answer. Seek after a relationship with the God of the answer. When you're in the wilderness, don't just be looking for, for the recipe of success. Uh, don't just be looking for the medication. Don't just be looking uh, for the miracle. Look for the God. And when you find the God, you will find the blessing. When you find the God, you will find the miracle. And that's what the people needed. And so part one of the story was God led them into a wireless camp. Part two was, was that, that the people, they were upset with where they were. Part three was that God was still merciful. And it leads us to our fourth part. It says in verse seven that he called the name of the place Massah and Meribeth because of the chiding of the children of Israel because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? So part four, it's this, that Moses memorialized their failure in this place. Because of how good God is, it's no doubt to me that water came. It's no doubt that the people drank. But in verse seven, we see something curious. Moses didn't call that place Jehovah Jireh. He didn't say the Lord provided here this mount. He he didn't say that. He didn't name this place a place of, of how great God is. Or He didn't say any of those things. Moses called the place Massah, meaning temptation, and Meribah, meaning strife. He named this place temptation and strife because the chiding or the contending of the children of Israel, because they tempted the Lord and saying, is the Lord among us? Or is he not? And this is, this is the message. This is why I, I bring this story to us. Is in this hope that when we are in a waterless camp, we don't question God like they question God. When we've seen the blessing and the miracle of God over and over, when we've heard about it, when we've experienced it for ourselves, and then we continue into a season of waterless camps, don't be like the children of Israel and question God. And not only question God when you enter into the waterless camp, but when God says, I'm going to stand on the rock and I'm going to provide for you, you don't go back and question God again and say, is the Lord among us or not? Someone once said, the greatest obstacle to joyful confidence is not that God can't save us, it's will God save us. The greatest obstacle to joyful confidence. It's not this understanding if God can, but it's this question if God will. And the greatest obstacle to believing he will save us sometimes is our own 
image of ourself in our own sinfulness. In other words, we understand who we are. And so we question if God can really save us. And tonight I'm talking about his mercy. I'm talking about his grace. I'm talking about this God who always chases us down, who always is there for us. And sometimes he operates different ways. And it was said on Sunday, sometimes he chases us down and sometimes he waits for us to come back home. But tonight I'm talking about, Sunday we talked about the God who, who waits for us to, to make steps towards him. Tonight I'm talking about the God whose love and mercy and goodness chases us down. But we see something strange in this story and is that surrounded by thankless people, God says, I will still stand before them, and I will stand upon the rock. And Moses, in the midst of thankless people, you're going to smite that rock, and there's going to come water out of that rock, Moses, that the people may drink. Even though these people are thankless, even though they don't trust me, I am going to make a way for them. When I read this story, I question, how can God be righteous and act as though their actions have no consequence? How can a righteous God bypass the doubts of people and still provide? Because that goes against everything that I think. How is verse 4 through 6 when God provides water from a rock possible when I consider verses 2 and 3? How can God offer life when the people are calling him evil? And I think you find that answer in the New Testament in Romans 3, 24 and 25. It's this, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, an appeasement of divine wrath, you could say, a satisfaction of divine justice through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. So how can God offer life? How can the children of Israel deserve and receive a blessing that they did not deserve? It's the same reason that you and I today, it's the same reason today that we can be blessed by God. The same reason today that we are sustained and that we are kept. The reason that when we are in a waterless Camp, And even in those moments that we are not seeking God, God still helps us and keeps us and keeps us going. It's this, and it was, it's the fact that all of this is made possible by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The death of Jesus makes it possible for the children of Israel back decades and centuries before to be sustained in this season. And I'm, let me explain. It's, 
God, of course, it's through faith. By grace, through faith, we are saved. Through obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ that we are saved, is it not? For we cannot save ourselves. It is Jesus Christ. It is our obedience to that death, burial, and resurrection that, that makes it possible for us to have life and to have it life, that life more abundantly. And so here in our scripture, we see in the New Testament a, a perfect God coming for imperfect individuals. We see a perfect God stepping in and taking the penalty for very guilty, sinful people. And it's that mercy that God bestows on us that he bestowed on those people. It's the mercy of Exodus 17 and 6. That mercy it's made possible by the gospel of Jesus Christ. If it was not for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the mercy that was shown in Exodus 17, 6 would not be possible. For our God was slain from the foundation of the world. And that sacrifice that was made from the foundation of the world looked back in time and saw a people who were sinful, a people who couldn't get out of their own way, a people that were messed up and fell short. And it saw those people and said, I'm going to have mercy upon who I'm going to have mercy on. I'm going to bestow grace on who I'm going to bestow grace on. In other words, I'm in charge of who I show my mercy to. You don't deserve it, Israel. You have not earned it. But I am a merciful God. And God is looking at us today and saying, people at West Monroe Apostolic Church, you do not deserve my mercy. You do not deserve my grace. You have messed up time and time again. But I see you in a waterless camp. And I see you in your place that you, that you place yourself in tonight and the circumstances that you are in. And I will show you mercy and I will show you grace. For in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4, Paul wrote this. He said, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant, how that, our, that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All of our fathers, they passed through that cloud and through that sea, that Red Sea, and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they did eat that same spiritual meat that manna from heaven. And this is what I want us to look at, verse 4. And did all drink that same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. That rock that we read about in our story tonight. That rock that made a way for them. That spiritual rock. And this is what it says. That rock was Christ. That rock that made a way for them when they did not deserve it, that rock was Christ. That undeserved blessing of water in a waterless camp, that rock was Jesus Christ. That undeserved blessing from manna from heaven, that was Christ. That undeserved blessing of deliverance at the Red Sea, it was Christ. The undeserved guidance from the pillar of cloud and fire, all of it is owed to Jesus Christ. All of it is owed to the cross 
to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The rock was Christ. The manna was Christ. The deliverance was Christ. The guidance was Christ. And what an amazing God it is that, that can make a way, make a way in the New Testament for people that existed in the Old Testament. <laughs> That's the kind of God that we serve tonight. That's the kind of God that sees you tonight, that sees you in the condition you are in. Do you deserve it? You're his mercy, do you deserve his grace? No. In fact, Ephesians 2 says this, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the year, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversations in times past and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. And even, someone say even, when we were dead in sins, even when we were in a waterless camp with no hope, even when we were in our wilderness season and we could not get ourselves out of it, even when we were going to die of thirst and we couldn't do anything about it, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. For by grace, someone say by grace. By grace are ye saved. Jesus. Jesus is a God of mercy tonight. Jesus is a God of mercy. He was a God of mercy back when the children of Israel were walking in the wilderness, and he's a God of mercy in 2023. And every undeserved blessing that we have tonight, the, everything that we have, the fact that we are able to gather here tonight in this church and with other people, that we are able to get up out of the bed this morning and walk, and we're able to live our life, those blessings that we have they're not deserved blessings. I did not deserve the life that I have tonight. I don't deserve hope. I don't deserve a future. But God is rich in his mercy, isn't he? But God is rich in his grace. God made a way for me when there was no way. And God will make a way for you. For the psalmist said, the Lord, he is my shepherd. And I shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leadeth me beside the still waters. That shepherd, he restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And this is why, because he's with us. He is with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. And surely, goodness and mercy, they shall follow me. They shall follow me. When I do everything perfect, no. When I get up and the sun's in the sky, no. When I get up and I have 
all the water and sustaining things to keep me alive. No. Goodness and mercy, they follow me all the days of my life. When I want to do good, but evil is always present with me, his mercy and goodness follows me on those days. When, when I am enslaved to sin, his mercy and goodness follows me. When I have an attitude that I don't even understand why I've got it, his mercy and goodness follows me. When I, when I just can't get over myself and I'm prideful and arrogant, his mercy and goodness follows me. When, when I am not doing a good job of trusting him and I'm freaking out about what I'm going through and when I, when I don't see the end, I don't see the outcome coming in my favor, his mercy and goodness follows me. When I don't give like I should give, his mercy and his goodness follows me. And here's the reality that there's nothing you can do to escape his goodness and mercy. You can't be bad enough. You can't be rebellious enough. You can't, you can't do any of those things to get outside of the rock's pursuit after your life. The rock will follow you. Mercy and goodness will follow you. That water in the wilderness will follow you. And all you got to do is that one day come to a place where you stop running from his goodness and you stop running from his grace. And when you stop running from his goodness and his grace, his goodness and grace will meet you. It will collide with your life. And today, if you're running, it doesn't matter how long you've ran. It does not matter how far you've run. His goodness and mercy is right there with you. And there's this promise. When we meet up with goodness and we meet up with mercy, the psalmist said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ever. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God we love. The God who never stops running. We serve the rock. The rock that was in the wilderness. The rock that sustains us. That rock that we're built upon. That rock follows you and me. He doesn't ever let us out of his sight. He is with you tonight. He will be with you tomorrow. All you got to do is spend time with him. And God will make the difference in your life. Amen.